Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dishing with Stephanie's Dish, the podcast where we talk to people that are cookbook authors, recipe developers, people just generally interested in the northern food system or food systems just anywhere, really. And Trisha Cornell, I'm such a fan of hers. She has a book that I ran across pretty early in my cooking life called Eat More Vegetables in 2012. And she has followed it up with Minnesota Farmer's Market Cookbook in 2014. And I have to believe, Trisha, are you working on another cookbook? Somewhere in the back of my head, there's there's something <laughs> brewing, uh, but uh, nothing to announce. Life gets busy, doesn't it? As you know. It does get busy. And I don't know. So I think we had you on maybe on Weekly Dish when your first book was published. And I brought that book home. And it has become my Bible up at the cabin because it is sourced seasonally. And that book, and please don't take offense that it sat in the outhouse for a couple of summers (laughs) and it would provide inspiration. (laughs) And then we would be like, oh, okay, well at the farmer's market, we got all this zucchini. So what do you do with zucchini? And we would look it up by ingredient and you inspired my cookbook in a way that you probably don't even know because most of my summer cooking was at the cabin and I was using your cookbook, eating more vegetables and cooking more with vegetables. And that just sort of changed my relationship to cooking at the cabin. I started a garden up there. And so you've really inspired my cookbook that's coming out later this fall, the True North Cabin Cookbook in ways that you have no idea because we've never talked about it and we don't really know each other. So here you are. (laughs) That is so exciting. And it makes me so happy. Um, I mean, first, because it's always nice to find out how your stuff gets used in the real world. Um, But for another reason too, and that is that uh, Eat More Vegetables was inspired by the way my family actually eats. So the story of the cookbook is um, that we got a CSA the first year my my daughter was born, um, and um, it we used probably about half of it. It was a real source of stress in our lives. And then one year, probably two or three years in, it was kind of make or break. Like, do we just give up on this massive box of vegetables that comes into our house that now has you know a baby and a toddler, and or do we get serious about really using it up? And I chose get serious about really using it up. Uh, And I sat down and I made a list of all the things that our family eats because of our CSA and when we eat them. So, you know, the first box, we make a a lot of, you know, big salads. We make the risotto with those kind of, uh, you know, the, the hard to eat, hard to cook greens, like, like. Uh, ramps and well, not that they're hard to eat, but you know, things have to be cooked like ramps and nettles and stuff like that. And then we kind of move through the summer and, you know, with this list of things that my family eats because of the CSA. And I was like, huh, it's 75 recipes. As you know, that is three quarters of the way to a cookbook. Yes. (laughs) And that is the, that is where uh, the cookbook came from. So it makes me so happy that that is now the way your family eats too. That is And I think, yeah, I think it is because, you know, we started with the farm share and, you know, I still don't ever want kohlrabi in my life, but that's fair. (laughs) You have like (laughs) ideas for this horrible thing that all, I mean, the only way people really eat kohlrabi as it turns out is they just eat it. Like they chop it up and they eat it like with dip, 
but then like some people roast it and then you turn it into a slaw and other people make it into a salad. And I still like don't want to eat kohlrabi, but and honestly, of all the things I've ever gotten in my farm share, that's probably the only thing that I, and I've eaten it, but it's like, it'll sit in the refrigerator for weeks and finally I'll just toss it out. Okay. Well, here's this first, the secret about kohlrabi. And I'm sorry, is that it, it'll keep for months and months and months and months. <laughs> it be the last thing you eat out of your CSA and it'll be just fine. Uh, but the, um, you know, so, so in, in conjunction with the books, I've talked to people all over Minnesota. I love to go to like libraries and community centers and do kind of an open, like, ask me anything about vegetables. And there are two vegetables that people always ask about. Well, there are three. Uh, one is eggplants. I've got lots of ideas for eggplants. One is kohlrabi. Uh, the third is spaghetti squash. And I will skip right to the fact that I think that spaghetti squash is an abomination. And I've just had to tell people that, but with kohlrabi, I've, I've had to say like, look, stop trying to make it something it isn't. It's a, it's a, it's a crisp, cool, raw vegetable. Go ahead and eat it or serve it to your guests. It looks fancy on a party platter and nope. you don't have to eat it. You don't. <laughs> but kohlrabi and- is what everybody asks about. Yeah. You know, what else is interesting about farm shares is, you know, we eat seasonally when we have a farm share, which is part of why it really, I I really like it. I get a spring share because those are typically things that people have overwintered or they've hothoused or they've got a hoop house. And, you know, it gets me to my own garden season where my spinach starts coming up and my radishes. So I use it to make my fresh eating season longer And then in the fall, I do the same thing. I bring, I come home from my cabin on labor day is when we close it up and I've harvested all my stuff at that point. And then whatever that there's still a whole fall season of vegetables and cold vegetables, and then the squashes and things. So I get a farm share for six weeks into the fall. It takes me up to about Thanksgiving. I love that. Um, I'm not a gardener, so I rely on it. I'm, I am death to plants. Um, so I admire people who can make things grow. Um, and so I, I love that, you know, our farm share, the one we have now lasts late April through December. So it really gets you through most of the year, but I love that you're using it to fill in those holes and to bridge. It doesn't have, it can be a commitment you can use anyway. People get so intimidated by a farm share and it can be what you want it to be. Do you find that as someone who's written this book and who's done your, your second book is Minnesota farmer's market cookbook. So again, kind of taking the seasonal things from our market, do you cook the same things like, like family favorites, or do you, like, I asked my daughter once, you know, what are the things that I cook that you love the most? And she was like, you never make the same thing twice. (laughs) (laughs) I think I am more on your side of things. I love cooking a new thing. And you know, that dinner party rule of like, you should never make something new for guests. I break that rule every single time. If you're coming to my house, you're having something I have never cooked before, because that's why I invited you to to have some fun. So I'm, I'm more like you. But there are some family favorites and they're often, like I said, they're tied to the season. Like, what do we do? Um, I love, you know, we get nettles. I never buy nettles anywhere. We only get them in the CSA. So I make a big batch of nettle risotto. And like, but that is like once or twice a year when we get the nettles in the CSA, right? Um, and so we've got a few family favorites, but in general, I am, I'm, I, I like to branch out. <laughs> we're, uh, we're big fans of the ramp pesto. 
I can't even hardly say the word ramp without saying it the way that Stephanie March and I say it on the radio show. Cause we always go ramps, ramps. Yeah. ramps. <laughs> so ramp pesto. And then the other thing that I always end up making only because I have it is garlic scape pesto because garlic scapes are these weird little curly cute things that come out of the garlic before you pull or before even in the um, fall, they're in the spring. And then when I didn't get a farm share one year, I didn't have them. And I was so desperately looking for them. I did finally find them at one of the co-ops, but I was like, I need ramp or I need garlic. (laughs) It's not spring without the garlic scapes. Yeah. Oh, I love the garlic scapes because they do, they do taste like garlic, but they also taste fresh and springy and green. Um, We slice them up like green beans and put them in, um, so they're kind of green bean length and put them in stir fries. We do that a lot. Um, If you slice them really kind of, you know, little tiny rounds, scatter them across the pizza. Yeah, we, we love them, but you're right. That's a, that's really a truly seasonal food. Like you can get a tomato any time of year these, these days, but you can really only get those garlic scapes and those ramps in the spring. Do you get into like canning or pickling or like, I'm still, I just literally today, right before this call went into the cupboard and took out a bunch of canned stewed tomatoes to make something. Cause I have all these quarts of tomatoes still that I'm getting to be like to the fresh new season. And I'm trying to eat up the pickles, the carrots, the things I made last year. (laughs) (laughs) I am not a big canner. I do, I do four things. And one of them is the tomatoes because no offense to the canned tomatoes of the world. There is nothing like a fresh canned garden tomato. And it's easy. Um, It is so, it it is so easy. Like notes. Yeah. And anybody out there who's been trying to impress their friends by telling them about their canning, we have just like, yeah, we we've, we've just outed you. It is so easy. Uh, So yeah, I can, I can tomatoes every year and having, being able to pull out a can of tomatoes, it is the beginning of so many meals. It's the beginning of pizza. It's the beginning of pasta. It's the beginning of risotto. I love tomato risotto. Um, It's the beginning of a soup um, and you just pull it out. Otherwise we do I do pickles, I do applesauce, um, and I do some jams, but I've been told by my family, no more jams until roughly 2027. We are all stocked <laughs> up. Yeah. <laughs> you ever use, now here's, cause I end up with lots of jams too, because I do the Minnesota makers podcast. And so I'm always getting things at farmer's markets to try. And the one thing with jams that has really kind of opened the door for me is I use them as drink syrups <gasps> or to make cocktails. Oh, this is going to change my life. Yeah. So you heat them up a little bit in the microwave, Uh just so that you have a more viscous, um, that will mix with the liquor and you use that as like a sweetener. So you can use it in an old fashioned, or you can use them with like gin or vodka and then a little bubbly water or a little of that cutonic. And you can use them with tequila to make like flavored margaritas. So you're making a raspberry margarita, you know, this is like brilliant. Yeah. I think so we, we might use, use up the jams even earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we use them a lot like that. And then also, I don't know when I figured out that yogurt has so much sugar in it. And so I started just buying plain and then we would scoop like two teaspoons of jam into that yogurt because that at least is sugar that's controlled. Like, you know, how much is in there and it's more fruit 
you know, if you're going to eat a Yoplait yogurt, I think it was like 14 teaspoons of sugar or something crazy just in that little container. So I was like two teaspoons of homemade jam is nothing. It's nothing compared to that. And like also note to friends who are trying to impress people with your jams, jams are super easy. It's 50% fruit, 50% sugar, cook it until it sets, right? which is like 220 degrees, boom, you're done. Um, And and you can also, you get so many more flavors. Like we, you never see current anything in, um, you know, in in the stores. Except terrible scones. Except terrible scones. And they're they're always terrible. And dry. Um, And dry and they're not good. Um, But if you get to the St. Paul Farmer's Market in mid-June there's that one guy selling selling currants uh and you you know I you have to get there early (laughs) to get enough and so it's such a special flavor to be able to have and you can have currant yogurt that you couldn't otherwise have yeah absolutely and also like savory making savory things with jams um there's a great recipe that I think came out of the New York Times that was literally kielbasa which is kind of weird, but in the middle of winter, when you're looking for something that's not, you know, your basic beef, chicken, lamb, or fish, a kielbasa can really fill the bill. And you cut it like um, every inch and a half. So you really kind of open it up like a fan. And then you put it on top of beets and potatoes and you roast it. And you're roasting this kielbasa on top of these roasted root vegetables. And then you lacquer it with an apricot jam. And that melts into these little holes and starts to get crystallized and caramelized. And then it also gets on the root vegetables below. That's a great way to use up like orange jams, orange marmalades, lemon jams, apricot jams. Oh, I love that. Um, you know, we don't do a lot of sweet and say, uh, you know, sweet in our dinners, but that reminds me that I often use, I'm not the world's greatest baker. Um, so if your cake is just a little bit dry, you thin out the jam with a, a little bit of water and, you know, like you said, heat it up a little bit and then thin it out a little bit. And then you soak it with, a, with that jam syrup. Um, and then you've, you've saved a dry cake. Yum. Um, yeah. So, so jam can be used in lots of ways besides just on toast. Yeah. You know what? I never think about doing that with like a pound cake, but I know yeah. like Ina Garten has tons of recipes where she makes like a simple syrup and pours it over the top. Yeah. And it's, Yum. if you, if you get it while it's hot and you think, I think I overbaked that sucker. Um, then you, you spread in a thinned out jam over the top and it'll soak in and save it. Okay. Yeah. I love it. Um, yeah. What are you eating right now? Like we're in the middle of Easter winter because we've just had Easter and it is snowing. It's the day after. <laughs> yes. Isn't this great? Um, honestly, so we are CSA starts in a couple of weeks. So we're super excited about that, which means that we are like down to the very last of those things that keep it always makes me super sad when I get to the end of the garlic like that. Somehow that is the most depressing because grocery store garlic yep. is really depressing. I'm pulling the last beets out of the, out of the crisper because they also keep forever. I am sure there is a kohlrabi in there that I will finally use up before the uh, before the the CSA starts up, and um, yeah, we do a, we do a lot of you know you mentioned kielbasa, um, and I know we're not supposed to be eating a lot of cured meats for our health, but cured meats are a great 
meal shortcut. It just yeah. brings flavor. It brings protein. Uh, you don't, you can have like a, you know, you don't need a ton of meat per person because they're bringing so much flavor. And so we'll do that with like chopped up in a grain salad, you know, like chopped yep. up with farro and whatever kind of vegetables you've got and kind of a, or kind of a skillet meal. We do that. I'll be totally honest. The fridge is full of leftover matzo ball soup and brisket from Passover. So this yep. week we're eating nothing but leftovers, like literally nothing. Um, and so I'm sure everybody who cooked for Easter is feeling the same way. <laughs> I love, I just made, we made a brisket actually, and I love leftover brisket on grits. Oh, oh! it just is life-changing. It's like the most warm, comforting bowl. It just soaks right in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, you know, uh, I don't cook grits the way, you know, I don't know anything about Southern grits, um, but polenta, uh, especially if you cheat with the cook, quick cooking polenta, yeah. um, you've got dinner in like 10 minutes. Yep. And, and you can put spaghetti nice sauce on it or put spaghetti sauce on it mushrooms one of my favorite things to do with my wild mushrooms is to cook, cook them up and pile them on top of polenta yum and, all right yeah. you're making me so hungry trisha i have to go <laughs> eat lunch it's trisha cornell her book is great if you have a csa or you're wanting to eat more vegetables and eat more seasonally in minnesota it's eat more vegetables and the minnesota farmers market cookbook published by minnesota historical press you can find them and um i found a copy of your eat more vegetables online, I think, um, from like a thrift store and it was like $3 and I bought it for my daughter. I was like, this is the cookbook we have at the cabin that you need to have Spread the home. vegetable love. Yes, thank you. Thank yes. you so much for having me. I cannot wait to pick up cabin cooking. Oh, thank you. It's been great talking to you. Good to talk to you too. Okay. Bye-bye, bye, Trisha.